Good morning. Seems like today we're celebrating mothers. And uh, there's a lot to talk about. And uh, while we, we ponder on the, the ministry of martyrs, the blessings of martyrs, it's an incredible blessing. But on the other hand, there's a heaven is in my heart. Hopefully today we can speak about the, the importance of motherhood, the, um, the very important role a mom brings to the house, to the church, and also remember to keep in mind that we've also lost a mother the last year. Maybe it is the, the combination of both. That's a little overwhelming to me. But um, I do feel it's nice if we can, it's a blessing if we can speak, speak about it and um, encourage. In fact, um, Mother's Day started because there was a woman who lost her mom. Her name was Anna Jarvis, and because of her loss, she wanted a way to honor her mother, and she wanted to honor motherhood. She must have realized the extreme emptiness loss without a mom. She wanted to honor mothers for the sacrifice they were making and the impact they were making in everyday lives. It started out as a maybe as a one town celebration, but by 1912, many states had adopted Mother's Day. And in 1914, the president of the USA declared it a national holiday. Now, we know that making it a holiday will not come back. The enemy's attack on our homes and uh, will not nearly be enough to appreciate what our moms do. And the uh, importance of a mom as she ministers. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, our Heavenly Father, who, who loves and understands and is always there, is always faithful. 
We want to bless you this morning for who you are, for your grace and for your mercy. Father God, for sending your only begotten Son so that we may have life, so that we may have hope, so that we may have a way, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for that. We pray, Lord, that we can move and train our hearts towards you and to trust you and to know that everything is in your hands. Lord, we pray for your a blessing upon this day, upon our dear moms who work so faithfully and so diligently in the ministry, Lord, that you have given them. We pray for your blessing upon this time here, for your presence to fill our hearts in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The art of mothering is to teach the art of living to children. Mother is the heartbeat in the home, and without her, there seems no heart throb. So today we want to encourage... And we want to bless and to, to encourage in the ways of the way God had ordained a home. And, you know, one thing that I've learned as I'm growing older, it's good to look back and, you know, you've, you've learned things, you, you, you understand more things, and you know that you're growing, and that's, that's good. There's a little growth there. And one thing that, I, that I'm seeing as I'm growing in the last, I don't know how many number of years, is I get to see the extreme importance of our roles as a man and a wife. And what I've observed is, is it seems... To me, just looking now, I think we can speak. I, I think at, at this point, I can look back, I can look at experience, and I can observe. And moms are always there. Their heart and their burden are always there with their children. Even in ministry, it is the moms that will come to me and share their burdens on, on, on their children and, and even in the church. With us dads, it's, we miss a lot of things. We, we get more easily distracted. But without the full capacity that God has given us to do that ministry in the home, there's bound to be some casualties. And I'm here to say that it's easier to neglect for a man. I, my experience, and I could be wrong, I, maybe there are some statistics out there in Florida, mom. So men have to be on guard, and it's, um, I believe this is why when you, when you go look at prisons, is a lot of the linguists, the, the issue is there was no father in their home. 
And in, and I, I I believe it's because men tend to be more reckless. There, there's just a caring heart that it seems like is automatically in our moms. And um, as men, we need to be there to protect it, to uphold it, to nourish it, and to lead out so the mom can be right there and nourish in the home and in the children, the hearts of the children. And as I said, um, we have experienced a loss here in Atona the last year. As God called a dear mom Rachel home. It left a, such a tremendous hole in the family, in the church. And by the grace of God, we we working through the laws we are asking the lord for help for wisdom for guidance and like in all things in our life we have to trust god and accept his ways and they're not always our ways but he is in control and with that we're as a church and as a family we want to work through it and I just, some of the things that came to mind as I was meditating on this is to also remember the moms that are not with us anymore. The beauty of these moms, the and the blessings they've been, just who they were. They would always have a special place in our hearts. A godly wife or mother brings so much riches, richness into the home and the church. And I think if we, we could just look at our sisters here and simply talk about all their attributes and we could put a, together a beautiful message. I told my wife yesterday I could use her for example. We're, we're so richly blessed. And all of us husbands here. If we are actively engaged in God's order, we will see the impact our wife plays in our home. And it's again something that we as dads, we neglect. We, we see our wives and, we, and also the, with, the, with children and young people. I see moms laboring. And so many times I see a, a not enough appreciation for a mom, what a mom goes through. Somebody shared a, a comic strip this morning on their status that they were trying to give their mom a day's off and they had all kinds of workers there from a chef to a day keeper to a, to a laundromat to a taxi to a you name it. And um, I think most, some of us, that's if we try to replace the moment they're gone for a week or so, or a few days, we can get the drift of what's going on. And pretty soon you realize what we have. And it's not only temporal. The God has placed inside a, a mom's heart, like I said, caring, nourishing, um, Comfort to the children. 
I marvel at a mother's heart in my wife many a times. I'll be the one pushing things and putting things in order. And then my wife comes along in caring and comfort. She's with the children. She takes time for the little things. I marvel at the role she has in playing the, in building up the children mentally and spiritually. And it is a role that is irreplaceable. And the drive that we've seen the last century in the Western world of women out in the workforce and absent from the home is not God-ordained. It goes against the whole order of God. God never intended it to be this way, that a woman is not a keeper at home. If we look at all the nourishment that needs spiritual and physical with children in the home, it is devastating. I believe it's one of the destructions we have in modern times is the mom not being in the home. And then it can bring all kinds of different baggages of no children, on and on. <clears throat> Children need a nourishing heart of a mom. That is the most precious occupation a mom can have. So, as I said, I could, looking at our, even just at our church, at what our moms are doing, we could probably speak and, and be encouraged. But I chose to use a wife and a mother in the Bible for encouragement. And it's because of her devotion to God her family and husband, her child helped shape the history of the nation of Israel. And it was Hannah in 1 Samuel 1. I have always marveled at this woman, how, de how she desired to have a son. And before she even had it, had a son to dedicate him to the Lord. And how she wept before the Lord. Just to have a son. And I know it's a short account. And some of the attributes we're going to talk about. We have to read in between the lines. But I've also come to realize that with certain actions. There's a certain character in our life. And I think it's fair to take out these attributes from this story. So if you want to go anyway to 1 Samuel, we can, we can read it. 1 Samuel chapter 1. And I'm going to start at verse 3. It's about Elkanah and it's going up to from where he was living in, I think it was in Ephraim, and going up to the tabernacle yearly to, to worship and to do sacrifices. <laughs> So verse 3 in 1 Samuel 1, This man went up from his city yearly to worship and to sac and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also the sons of Eli, Hophni, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. Whenever the time came for Elkanah to bring an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. Although the Lord had closed her womb. 
And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Verse 8. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose after that finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord, wept and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of sorrow of spirit. I have drunken neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Verse 19. Then they rose up early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And I cannot know Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. Now the man at Hannah and all this house went up to offer to the Lord the year they sacrifice in his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, with three bowls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here, praying to the Lord. For this child I pray, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also lent him to the Lord as long as he lives. He shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshipped the Lord there. <laughs> So, when reading this story, <clears throat> we generally focus on Samuel and uh, the bigger accounts in this book. Hannah, however, is a figure in this book that we rarely put any emphasis on. 
And if you, if you think about it, there's a few characteristics that really stand out. So in the verses we read, there's a few attributes that point to a godly woman. And I believe these points are all natural to a godly woman. And uh, hopefully we can encourage and, and lift you up this morning. So number one. As a, as a mom, Hannah, she was there for her husband. In verse 5, but to, but to Hannah, he would give a double portion for he loved Hannah. Although the Lord had closed her womb. So she loved him, and he loved her, and looked out for her. And even though there was a grievance, the womb was closed, which she took very hard, it doesn't seem that she was being ostracized by her husband or anything like that. In fact, it, it seemed like the opposite. It... It said that he gave her double portion of the sacrifice, of the meat. And again, here's where I said, reading in between the lines, she must have really um, been there for her husband. She must have honored him, respected him, because he loved her. So she was there for her husband. Number two, she desired to have children and to be a mom. To the point, as we mentioned earlier, she was even fasting and praying over it. The desire for children is a God-given desire. And I feel that the, the world is trying to destroy and is encouraged by the enemy with all kinds of tactics to destroy that desire. And there's a few ways. One of them is functioning outside the home. Being outside of God's order. I've always marveled at the spirit of abortion. Not marveled, I was appalled by it. But it seems like even recently, through various events... It's even more real to me how God puts a child and fearfully and wonderfully makes a child when we can, when it's probably not even seen by the naked eye, and puts uh, in, inside a place where it is protected and nourished. And it, it looks so devilish, so demonic, to destroy this sacred human life. And I've, I found out in my life, too, where is the end then? Where is the end to, to get rid of human life? If you go backwards from the worst... And any time I hear people going against children or against children, it just does something to me. Because where do you stop? Where does the enemy stop having influence? 
I believe that that desire that we see here with Hannah, that she travailed and, and before the Lord, such a desire, it's a God-given. It, it, I believe it, it, it comes up in any godly woman. Any godly mom that I've met has that desire. All four Gospels record Jesus' reaction when children were brought to him to be blessed. When they were brought to him they, to be blessed, they were rebuked. There is a love for children in Jesus' life here on earth. He said, let the children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed, departed from there. It took time for them to bless them. I have seen it many times when a woman got converted to Christianity out of the conviction of her heart. She wanted to be a mom or wife, to have a family. Bearing children and loving children is a mom's natural response that has been touched by the love of God. There's a woman walking in that there's an, there's an anointing on it. In Hannah, we can get another example, a praying wife. Hannah shows that is an example to be praying to the Lord for help or deliverance in real anguish and praying for the Lord to intervene. And that was serious praying to the point where the high priest felt she was drunk. She told him, I have drunken neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I've poured out my soul before the Lord. Again, I have to conclude here that prayer like that must have been a practice. Reminds me of what we're talking about here during the week on creating a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. Stuff like that just doesn't appear Randomly. And not only one thing to notice is that not only did she pray when she asked the Lord for a child, but when the Lord had granted her one, she then continued praying. And we can find that in chapter 2. When I look at the, the dynamics and gifts that God had divided in general, in general, between a man and a wife, the attributes a wife brings to a marriage. And I see it in our marriage, in mine. My wife is sensitive in areas that I can so easily miss. Not that, it, not that it's a fault, but it's a team. Where the husband comes in is to be there and to be responsive. And to communicate. And just seeing and being sensitive and seeing needs, is it in the family, is it in the church? 
I believe just about right away puts responsibility on a mom and a wife to be a prayer warrior. See, many a times we can just take these burns and just talk about it and talk about it. But I believe part of when God sanctifies and God conforms us into his image is turning to prayer. A godly mother is a praying mother. One of the greatest things any mother can do for her children is to bring their name and needs before the Heavenly Father's throne daily. Men see the, the bigger, the, the large things, not necessarily the bigger things, but the things right in front of them, like it's right in your face. Moms would see the small things, the, the feelings, the attitudes, the habits, the, there's just the small things. And they bring it to the attention. But also, I believe in that is also a time to bring it to the Lord in prayer. So, not that a husband or not that a man should never pray. But I, I believe with the natural burden that is on a mom's heart, one of the attributes needs to be prayer. Number four, she believed in the promises of God. So after she prayed, and, um, and Eli gave her a word of comfort and told her that, the Lord had heard her prayer. It says in verse 18, and she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. So not only did she just go with second thoughts or different ideas, it also points out that her face was no longer sad. So she believed in the prayer. She believed in the promise of God. When the word was given to her as a confirmation, she believed. And she walked away knowing that the promises of God will be fulfilled in her life. And knowing the whole story, we can conclude that she sought the Lord and she knew in her heart when he had answered her prayer confirmed by the priest. She reacted in a way that she was confident that the Lord will do what she prayed for. And her face was no longer sad. We have to take the promises of God and live accordingly by faith. And it is number five, she lived by faith. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I asked for him from the Lord. Called his name Samuel, saying, because I've asked for him from the Lord. And just by saying that, she knew that the Lord had answered her prayers and she was preparing her heart to train the child for the Lord. Number six, she lives by her vow of giving the child back to God. 
Verse 22, but Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. It's of the utmost importance that we give our children to the Lord. And right away it develops an eternal mindset in the parents and in the child. We've seen the importance of them walking with the Lord versus walking in sin and just living it. And if we can rightfully and honestly do that in our hearts, I believe we can so much easier make decisions and discern um, See, so many times I've seen where, and I am, in my life it's too, when there's any issues in my children's life, I would much rather react in the flesh and protect them in the flesh than looking at the eternal picture of how is that going to affect them eternally. And this is, how we're, this is how we need to look at every decision, at every discipline, at every report we hear of our children. How is it going to affect them eternally? And if it's going to be any otherwise, we're just going to have to destroy them. It's an incredible vow that Hannah made here. Before he was even born, she vowed to give her son to the Lord. And according to what we read here, she never, stopped, she never stepped back with it. There are so many times we are in danger of letting our guards down when prayers are fulfilled. We tend to get careless. But it says in verse 24, that when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, with three bulls, one eva flower, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the Lord, to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. It wasn't like he's ready to fly the coop. The child was young. A godly mother knows what the world, flesh, and the devil will do. They'll do all they can to pull her child's heart away from God and the things of God. A godly mother seeks to instill the precepts and principles of the Bible in the lives of her children. She seeks to lead by her own example and fortify by her exhortations. By her own example and fortified by her exhortations. And it's, it's a healthy practice, even as a parent, as a mom or dad, to check your heart if you've given them if you're giving your children over to the Lord. And like I said, when you're confronted in your heart with different issues, to always look at it from an eternal perspective. A mama bear is never good outcomes. Huge ends up in a fight. It's 
it's healthy though. So early to keep these vows, to make this vow, to give our children to the Lord and to walk therein. I believe it just changes our whole perspective, how we raise our children, how we deal with our children. And I believe it's part of being a mom. It can be painful, but in the end, it will be a blessing. Remember that <clears throat> this very son that we're talking about had a huge effect on the nation of Israel, the history of Israel. <clears throat> And it's because, not only because of that, but she kept her vow and she dedicated him to the Lord. Okay, number seven, the last one, brings praise. She prays a prayer of praise. After dedicating their son to the Lord and learning and leaning, Samuel at the tabernacle, leaving Samuel at the tabernacle, Hannah comes before the Lord in a prayer of praise. Moms walking in the order of God brings praise and joy to the home, to the church. And I encourage you to go through that prayer sometime and study it. It's a very, very beautiful prayer. And you'll even notice there's been songs written through it. But I find it very interesting that we, we come into this story and we have Hannah in anguish before the Lord, fasting before the Lord, praying. And when the Lord had answered her prayer, she didn't just drop out. But when he had answered her prayer, she kept her vow. And then she was, she had a life of praise after that. So is I feel it's just something that a godly woman brings to the home, she brings praise and song to the home. Now, if you think about these attributes, I'll go them through them quick so we can refresh them. Um, being there, a, a godly wife is there for her husband. She desires to have children to be a mom. She will be a, a godly wife, is a praying wife. She believes in the promises of God. She lives by faith. She lives by her, by her vow of giving her children back to, to, the, to, the, to the Lord, and she brings praises to the home. <clears throat> now, these are <clears throat> very powerful attributes that a mom will, that a mom will have. But, it's difficult to see the fruits of it <clears throat> when the father of the home does not do his part. And this is what I meant at the beginning, what I've learned the last 10 years. To see the wisdom of God in having a team. And I know it's vice versa too, but today is Mother's Day. <laughs> and... Um, so today we want to bless the moms and challenge the dads a little bit. But 
I believe part of these blessings coming forward out of a mom is is the father being who God meant him to be in the home and taking that lead as a father in the home. And as I said, also said at the beginning, it's a challenge. For men, it's a challenge. It's not easy. I'm not sure why it is that way. But men seem to have this problem all around. But it's 100% possible. If we direct our hearts towards our home, towards the things of God, it's 100% possible. In fact, the, verse, the last verse in Malachi, the last verse in the Old Covenant, it's part of what he prophesied that Elijah will come again and will draw the hearts of the fathers towards the children and the children towards their father. So it is part of serving Christ. He gives us the grace and the opportunity to be that, to see us men, to be there, for us men to give the opportunity to our moms to be whom God <clears throat> ordained them to be. <clears throat> a strong home is because of a strong leader, the father. A wife will flourish under this biblical umbrella. Proverbs 31.10 Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so will have no lack of gain. NLT puts it this way, her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. I believe all husbands sitting here can truthfully say amen to that verse. A godly woman enriches the lives of others around her. <clears throat> if she is married, she makes the lives of her husband and children better and more meaningful. So here's an admonition. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them. Dwell with them with understanding. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life. That your prayers <clears throat> may be not hindered. That your prayers may be not hindered. Dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel, and as being heirs. I love that. As being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may be not hindered. So, so much of a happy joyous home relies on that God ordained order of the men leading out and keeping order. And then we can see the blessing of motherhood. <clears throat> and on that very last part, there's so much to talk about it, but we will not go into it today. But all I want to do this today is to encourage and, and to see and to encourage the ministry that you moms have. And we see it. We see how you serve. We see how you bless. We, we see the, the burden you have for your children. And I want to bless you for it. I want to encourage you. And I want to bless you for it. It's an eternal ministry. And the rewards will be eternally. 
Here's a little thing for the girls looking at their mother and they're not close. Okay, mother's opinion. Four years of age, my mommy can do anything. Eight years of age, my mom knows a whole lot. Twelve years of age, my mother doesn't really know quite everything. Fourteen years of age, naturally mom doesn't know that either. Sixteen years of age, mother, she's hopelessly old-fashioned. Eighteen years of age, <clears throat> that old woman, she is way out of date. 25 years of age, well, she might know a little bit about it. 35 years of age, before we decide, let's get mom's opinion. 45 years of age, I wonder what mom would have thought about it. <laughs> yeah, so, <clears throat> so moms, you have a role and you're appreciated and may the Lord grant you wisdom and strength to continue to be a blessing to the church and to the home. The Lord bless you.